Welcome to another episode of the Cutting Edge OTRs. In today's episode, we're going to investigate the effect of twice daily milking versus three time daily milking in high producing Holstein dairy cows and the effect of this in early lactation on their overall metabolic status. This research was done in Israel by Mohalem, Kamer, Had, Lifshitz, Kra, Jacoby, Portnick, and Zakut. These authors hypothesize that in high yielding dairy cows, the magnitude of the decrease in milk yield when reducing milking frequency from three times daily to twice daily in early lactation would be small, but might be significantly effective in alleviating negative energy balance. And their objective in this study was to determine how reducing the milking frequency of, again, high yielding dairy cows from three times daily to twice a daily milking during the first 30 days in milk affects yields, intakes, efficiency, metabolic status, and other carryover effects such as reproductive status and um, overall reproductive performance. Now, this research was done at the Volcani Center in Lazion, Israel, at the research farm there. And it's very exciting. So stay tuned today to learn a little bit about the effect of reducing milking frequency on overall metabolic status of these high-producing fresh cows. So the real challenge is, how do veterinarians like us, who don't have the time, resources, or financial backing of a multi-million dollar company, who are faced with irregular work schedules, on-calls, and emergencies, how can we facilitate our own personal and professional growth so we can continue to offer superior service to our clients while still remaining competitive in today's market? That is the challenge, and this podcast will provide you the roadmap to its solution. I'm your host, Dr. Eric, and welcome to Operators to Owners. Welcome back, OTRs. Today's article is titled, Reducing Milking Frequency from Thrice to Twice Daily in Early Lactation Improves the Metabolic Status of High-Yielding Dairy Cows with Only Minor Effects on Yields. Again, this was published out of Israel by Mohalem, Kamer, Had, Lifshitz, Kara, Jacoby, Portnick, and Zakut. And again, they hypothesized that by reducing the milking frequency from three to two times daily, there would be a decrease in milk yield, but there'd be a significant impact in alleviating negative energy balance in these cows. Now, again, before we dive into the article, just like every cutting edge episode, I want to share some of the interesting facts from previous research in this field. So, first of all, in 1976, Murrow pointed out that there are only three ways to manage postpartum energy balance. First, you can increase the energy input through consumption or improved metabolism of the cow. Second, you can decrease energy output through milk production or reduction in production. And third, you can optimize body tissue reserves, so body condition score, at calving to avoid overall mobilization after calving in that postpartum period. So knowing that, that's an important base or important foundation we have before we start delving into the study that there's basically only three ways you can control this negative energy balance. Since this 
um, you know, historic study. Several studies have proposed different ways to improve energy balance. Um, Chillard and Beam and Butler, done in 1993 and 1998 respectively, tried increasing the fat content of the fresh cow diet, um, but that was not effective in reducing adipose tissue mobilization and actually resulted in elevated NIFAs in that postpartum period. Um, that was found um, to be due to the increased milk production from the uh, extra available fat in the ration and um, overall suppressed dry matter intakes due to, again, the higher caloric content of that particular ration. Now, free energy supplementation through glucogenic precursors was tried as well by Butler in 2006 and Mullum in 2007, um, but that also um, did improve some metabolic status, but had no beneficial reproductive effects on the cows in, that, in those individual studies. Other things that were tried um, in 2004, Grummer tried shortening the dry period or completely eliminating it, um, which did reduce or significantly improve overall negative energy balance, but had a significant negative impact in overall milk production, resulting in 12 to 25% less overall milk in the subsequent lactation. Now, continuing on and looking at what we would expect from a 3x versus 2x change, Erdman in the 1995 basically provided the foundational research for 3x milking, where he proved that there was a fixed milk yield response when increasing from 2x to 3x of approximately 3.5 um, kgs per day or 7.7 pounds per day, regardless of the yield prior to the switch. And this kind of formed the basis um, for the study. So by reducing the magnitude of milking frequency and utilizing this fixed milk increase um, as an actual fixed milk decrease, they sought in this study to lower production and improve energy balance. And that was, again, they leveraged this foundational research to do that. One last interesting fact that I wanted to share with you guys, um, just from a physiologic standpoint, um, Capucho in 2001 found that in early lactation, um, milk secretion increased to peak levels due actually to mammary gland secretory cell differentiation and increased production per cell, but not due to increases in overall mammary tissue or increase in cell number. And this will become more important as we discuss things um, in our thoughts or in our results section of this article. So rolling into the methods for the study, um, the time frame in this study was actually unspecified. I'd assume in 2008, or excuse me, um, 2018 or 2017, the research was done as this was article was published in 2019, um, but that's an assumption. Um, it was done at the Volcani Center in Lazion, Israel. It was done at the research farm there, which is highly controlled. Um, they actually have individual intake monitoring. Um, they can do rumination collars and rumination activity. They have activity devices as well. Um, the overall um, cows are fed a TMR based on NRC, um, I think it was 2001 recommendations. And the cows are housed on a, kind of a dry lot. So it, it's uh, a pre-fresh and post-fresh or lactating pens are on shaded, pen, or shaded dry lots, dirt lots with shading over the top and headlocks up the front that are again individually partitioned, allowing only a certain cow or only a single cow into the specific area. So refusals and uh, intakes can be monitored that way. Now in this study, they actually looked at 42 high yielding Israeli Holstein crosses. So they went through the production records of several cows that dried off and picked the highest 
um, yielding cows in the previous lactation. These were then randomly selected um, in half into two treatment groups. Um, so there's 21 per group. Um, group number one was quote unquote the control group and they were milked three times a day. While group number two was quote unquote the treatment group and was milked two times a day. Now, from an evaluation standpoint, they monitored a ton of things in this study. It was, it was a very well done study, very thorough. Um, they looked at total milk yield, fat, protein, and that was fat and protein yield as well as fat and protein percent. Same with lactose um, and urea was all monitored from zero days in milk all the way up through 100 days in milk. And this was done, um, you know, twice a weekly samples for the first 45 days and then once per month samples from 45 to 100 days in milk. Body weight was tracked three times per day. Rumination was tracked using rumination collars. Similarly, activity monitors were, were um, used as well to track line times and overall steps and activity. Um, blood was drawn for blood glucose, NEFAs, BHBA, triglyceride, and AST. And those were all monitored. The blood was drawn three times per week for the first um, 45 days in milk. Net energy was actually calculated to include um, net energy consumed based upon the TMR intakes and refusals and dry matter um, intakes that were taken within those individually monitored um, headlocks. Energy corrected milk was calculated using the standard energy corrected milk equation. If you don't know what that is, simply type in energy corrected milk into Google, it'll come up right away. Um, and then they used that to estimate the um, mCal per day used for production. So using all that data together, what they did is they calculated energy balance based on net energy consumed. So basically the, the estimated energy in that ration as analyzed minus the net energy of maintenance um, minus the net energy of production. So basically consumption minus maintenance and production. The last thing that they monitored was ovarian structures. Um, they did this twice weekly, starting at nine days postpartum. And then at 60 days in milk, they aspirated fluid between that 60 and 80 days in milk from eight different cows to assess pre-ovulatory follicle um, uh, structure. Basically, they're looking at estradiol and, and prost or, um, progesterone um, levels in those, seeking out follicular quality. So the results... Um, there is a ton of data in this study. I'd invite you again to go to otovets.com forward slash cutting edge and all one word. And on there in that thread at the very bottom of the very first um, slide there summarizing the overall article is a link directly to this article. Um, you're going to want to peruse that a little bit because I'm not going to be able to cover all these results. So you guys be listening to me talk for over an hour. But what I did here is the author broke this down into two timeframes. They broke down um, all these different evaluation parameters from zero to 30 days in milk, and again, from 30 to 100 days in milk. Finally, then they summarized the cumulative effect from zero to 100 days in milk at the end of the study. So I'm gonna provide you guys the averages from the zero to 100 day in milk um, timeframe. But again, if you wanna know a little bit more about how things break down, um, through those individual periods, you can you can check that out at, again, otovets.com forward slash cutting edge. So the zero to 100 day in milk averages. So let's start with some production metrics. So first of all, the authors found that there was no milk yield difference between the 2X and 3X group. They did, however, find that the fat percent was 0.3 or 3 tenths higher in the 2X herds and the 3X herds, but overall, 
total fat yield in pounds per day was not different. Now, protein percent showed no difference between the two groups, but they found that there's approximately uh, 0.13 kg per day more protein produced in the 3x cows versus the 2x cows. Lactose percent was seven hundredths higher in the 3x cows and the 2x cows. And then when you're looking at overall production metrics at the 4% fat-corrected milk, the energy-corrected milk, you're looking at dry matter intakes and overall energy balance, there was no difference between these groups from the 0 to 100 day in milk frame. Now, again, I invite you to go back to the individual time periods because there was definitely a difference between the 3X and 2X groups from that 0 to 30 and 30 to 100. But overall, as an average, there was no difference. Body weight losses. They experienced a 28 kilogram, approximately 28 kilogram loss in the 3X cows versus a f- approximately 15 kilogram loss in the 2X cows in body weight in that first 100 days. Milk, so overall milk yield per dry matter intake and energy corrected milk per dry matter intake were not different between the two groups. However, again, this is feed efficiency data. The 4% fat corrected milk per unit of dry matter was 4.1% higher in the 2X cows versus the 3X cows. So they were slightly more efficient overall from a fat-corrected milk perspective. Lying times were 38 minutes greater in the 2X herds versus the 3X herds, kind of to be expected given they're only being milked two times a day versus three. And finally, rumination showed no difference between the two groups. Looking at some blood metrics, plasma glucose from zero to 30 days in milk um, in 2X cows was 8.9% higher than in 3X cows. And BHBA concentrations, again, from 0 to 30 days in milk, were almost 13% lower in 2X cows than 3X cows. However, NEFA concentrations from 0 to 30 days in milk were 34% higher in 2X cows than 3X cows. And tri- triglyceride levels tended to be slightly higher in the 2X cows over the 3X cows. ASC concentrations were found to be the same. Finally, reproductive metrics, the time at first ovulation, 3X cows, only about 10% of them had ovulated by 15 days in milk versus 40% in the 2X cows. However, no differences were observed in size, the volume estrogen, progesterone, or A4 um, when aspirated at that 60 to 80 days in milk range. So very interesting um, things to talk about here, and we'll discuss some of these a little bit later, but clearly there was um, very minor production differences, uh, an improvement in overall um, energy balance from the blood parameters in the 2X cows versus the 3X cows, and potentially a small reproductive effect um, here, but again, seemed to not carry on all the way through to that 60 to 100 days in milk range. So the author concluded that milking frequency reduction improved energy balance with minor reductions in milk and milk component yields. And they also said that the proportion of output decrease in high producing cows appears to be less than in previous research where these cows close that gap from when they're switching from 2X to 3X in as little as 10 days in terms of productive output. There, they also said there are indications that twice a day milking cows ovulated earlier postpartum but they had similar quality follicles as 3X cows by 60 to 80 days in milk in this study. 
So overall, the author would conclude that reducing milking frequency from 3x to 2x per day for 30 days in milk and then increasing the 3x per day at 30 days in milk may benefit the metabolic status of high-yielding cows with negligible effects on overall milk production and profitability. So let's let's run through some thoughts. So I've the authors did a really good job of summarizing a lot of the thoughts that I have. Um, so I'll interject some of my opinion with some of their opinion here for you guys. And I'd love to hear your feedback. So please um, do comment either on this post um, or jump on our website or join our group at OTOVets forward slash Facebook. Or sorry, OTOVets.com forward slash Facebook um, to join the discussion as well. So the first interesting thing, again, was that the author commented on that Erdman study. Again, that was that foundational study of fixed milk yield when you switch from 2x to 3x um, from 1995. And in fact, this particular study confirmed that there was a 8.6% increase in yield from going from 2x to 3x. And Erdman found all the way up to an 18% increase in yield. So the authors here went on to say that, you know, this obviously represented about a half a magnitude response um, in these selected high yield cows in this study, um, you know, with low yield cows being used in that Erdman study before, um, or, or a combination of the two, I should say. And I think this is kind of interesting when you think about the mechanism behind milking frequency and its impact on yield and the potential that high producing cows may not be as positively affected as lower producing or moderately producing cows when, we, when we're switching between 2x and 3x. Just an interesting point um, and maybe something that someone will look at pursuing further into the future. Another thing to think about is that while this study found no negative carryover effects after that 10 days post-switch from 2x to 3x milking, um, they identified that more frequent milking in early lactation did have a positive effect on overall milk production. And Wall and McFadden in 2007 showed that the immediate and carryover effects of frequent milking, now this was a study done with 4x versus 2x, were regulated locally at the mammary gland level. So what they saw is this increase in production was regulated at the mammary gland level. And this was backed up by research that was done in 2003 by Hale. And he had similar, or they had, excuse me, had similar findings that showed um, no significant difference in cell proliferation in these 4X versus 2X milk cows. Now, if we combine the results of these two studies, this author, the author of this paper concluded that the effect of milking frequency during early lactation is regulated at the mammary gland level and that the mammary gland cell populations are actually not altered by milking frequency. Instead, and this is really, really interesting to me, it's possible that these secretory cells, excuse me, easy for me to say, increase in overall output capacity. Now, again, this was this coming full circle to that last little factoid point I gave you guys earlier by Capucho in 2001, that overall number of mass or overall mass of cells is not the cause of increased milk production. The cause of increased milk production was by differentiation overall capacity. So this suggests that that's why these 2x cows, these high producing cows that were 2x, were able to recover to production levels of 3x cows in as little as 10 days because the capacity of their individual secretory cells in their udder actually just increased once they're being milked more. They didn't have to create more cells or um, or short no, total numbers of cells versus the previously milked 3x cows. 
The author in this study also postulated that the lack of negative impact on production in this study um, could have been due to the only one order of magnitude milking change, so the 2x versus 3x, and that resulted in less difference in intermammary gland pressure as compared to the previously mentioned 2x versus 4x studies, resulting in less secretory cell apoptosis and therefore um, potentially no true negative impact carryover, again, as seen by Wall and McFadden earlier. Um, and this is, you know, one of the very few um, studies as well that looked at these milking frequency differences, you know, 2x versus whatever, xx milking, um, that actually also investigated energy-corrected milk and fat-corrected milk yields. So it's really difficult to tell if um, the previous studies only saw a benefit in overall milk volume or if they saw a benefit in, in total production output based upon, um, you know, required energy for that. So that'd be something that has to be investigated as well, um, determining the overall economic input or output of these animals. Another interesting thought would be that though milk production was lower in 2x cows or cows milk twice a day, the author did note that according to the Israeli payment formula, which pays on combined milk volume and solids, these 2x cows did perform numerically higher in terms of financial output than the 3x cows overall. So again, interesting when you're thinking from the economic standpoint, yes, they produce a little bit more, but efficiency-wise, they um, may have actually performed better for that particular operation. Ultimately, um, the study showed that there was no difference in 4% fat-corrected milk or energy-corrected milk between the 2X and 3X cows. Um, minor differences were obviously noted um, in fat percent, three-tenths three of a percent um, for 2X cows, and in protein and lactose yields, um, approximately 0.3 um, pounds per day and 0 0.04 pounds per day or sorry, 0.4 pounds per day, respectively, for protein and lactose. Now, if we take this and run some financials against it, if we take, uh, let's just say, a really aggressive December 2019 numbers um, from Wisconsin here, you're looking at uh, a $3.65 um, protein premium and a $0.10 cent, um, solids premium on that. So if we take those numbers, it resulted in approximately a $1.10 day difference between the 2X and 3X cows which seems relatively negligible when you're calculating the increased costs uh, of additional feed consumption, milking, labor, maintenance, electricity, um, you know, and as, as well as the overall improvement in energy balance and early return to simplicity that you saw in the 2X cows. So definitely an exercise worth doing and considering when you're thinking about this research. In addition, by all measures, so BHBA, blood glucose, except for NEFA concentrations, energy balance was improved in these 2x cows. Now, NEFAs were found to be elevated in these 2x milk cows up to 30 days in milk, which suggested tissue mobilization. But when they looked at body weight, the, the overall body weight loss was very similar to the 3x cows. So the author actually postulated that since NEFAs are cleared through utter fat synthesis, since they're milking less, these 2x cows were milking um, less per day and less overall pounds of fat, um, they removed less of these NEFAs and in turn um, led to elevated overall NEFA blood concentrations in these cows. Obviously, this didn't have a huge detrimental impact on BHBA or plasma glucose, so maybe they weren't as negatively affected as, you know, standard um, elevated NEFA cows. 
So we all know poor transition cows have poor reproductive performance due to delayed synclicity. Galavo in 2010 proved that earlier ovarian synclicity improved overall reproductive performance as well. In this study, more 2x cows ovulated before 15 days in milk, approximately 40%, versus the 3x cows, which were approximately 10%, suggesting that there was improved synclicity. But again, this study didn't really observe any any improvement in the pre-ovulatory follicles in these 2x her, 2x milked cows versus the 3x cows. And the author kind of postulated that this was because the 3x cows actually consumed more calories from 30 to 100 days in milk and were able to compensate adequately to remove or, um, excuse me, resume normal um, reproductive function. So they were able to catch back up in essence with um, the previously better energy balanced 2x cows and perform reproductively adequately at that point. So to overall summarize this, you know, to me, this was a really interesting exercise in the physiology behind milk production, as well as potential energy balance control. Uh, however, I can't help but wonder what the results would look like if the study was done in lower yielding cows. Would there be a more pronounced milk yield effect or would they perform similarly? I think it's a novel idea, however, that really seeks to place the cow in a better energy state and potentially really improve animal husbandry. It would also be interesting to investigate the longevity in these cows in you know the, the 2x herd versus the 3x herd and see if productive life would differ, you know, impacting overall yields. Obviously, negative energy balance can lead to several other metabolic or fresh cow diseases, um, and that would obviously increase overall color rate um, of those particular animals. So the impact of that would be interesting. And I think the other thing to consider is that in today's age of kind of balancing production with animal care and comfort, um, this study could really provide, you know, one of those foundational blocks, much like some of the ones about 2 and 3x milking, um, they could, this study could be a good foundational block for future research, looking into reducing frequency or pushing these cows a little bit less hard initially to allow them to become more metabolically stable and then pushing them a little bit later to, uh, to produce a little bit more aggressively. So I'd like to thank you all again for tuning in with me today. Again, very, very good article. There's a ton more information in this article, but I'm not going to overwhelm you with data and facts and information. So if you want to learn more, again, go to otovets.com forward slash cutting edge, all one word. And then at the very bottom of that first link is a link to the full article. It's right on the Journal of Dairy Science webpage. So check that out, read it, see what you think. And again, join our group, comment, let me know what you think about this episode. Thanks for joining me again, OTRs, and carry on. If you like this content and want more, you can stop by the Operator's Owner's website at otovets.com. There you can sign up for our community at otovets.com forward slash Facebook. You can also consume some of our original content at the blog at otovets.com forward slash blog. Thank you for joining us today and we'll catch you next time OTRs.